Good afternoon. This Good is Pat and Tom and Gaya. I, I got to say, some of that, <laughs> that little snip we had was not our featured guests of Rick Frost and Andrew Gonzalez, but it is that of Rick Frost with his previous band, Bone, Bone Dust. And uh, so I just wanted to get that going and give us a little... Thunder jump, on the road. Thunder on the road. Give us a little jump start here on the show. Well, hi, Kat. Hi, hi. Well, hello. And I have to tell you, Cap. Uh, you you put out a little meme this week, and it said, uh, the coffee's not working. Bring out the jumper cables. I, <laughs> I just happened to think of that when you said that. Well, some mornings I do need that. And yesterday I did have a very early morning, and coffee was not helping. <laughs> so I think I did post that yesterday. Yeah, that was true. hilarious. It does help. So what do we got going today? We, this week we've got Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day is in two days. Uh, and it's Super Bowl today. We have Super a big Bowl Sunday. Day. Yeah. All right. Who are you picking? Chiefs or Eagles? I was going to say the 49ers. Uh, but... No, they, they kind of <laughs> lost their chance two weeks ago. I I don't know. Maybe the Eagles. Yeah. Um, I think the Eagles. I, I'm thinking some, some of the underdog. Or... I'm going with, uh, no, I heard they're the favorites. Oh, and, the favorites? I, a lot of people are saying the Chiefs are going to win, but I'm going with the Eagles. I they're just, it... they're fearsome. I just have no idea why I want the Eagles. Maybe it's their name. Well, maybe you're thinking of Hotel California. That could be. That could very well be. Life in the fast lane. Oh, of course. And uh, we're kind of toasting to Sammy Hagar today. We're enjoying his... Uh, uh, beach bar cocktail. Uh, I love pop. those. Yeah, uh, sweetened with agave, which is singing your tune. My tune, yes. I could drink more of these without all that added sugar. Absolutely, in they're perfect. Now, if we start working on the monk fruit, what well, didn't we have some something that was made with monk fruit, or was it all agave? Might have been. Don't know. Well, it gives me something I have to uh, play around with, make my own. So we were talking about Valentine's Day. It, uh, how long do you think Valentine's Day has been a, a thing, Cat? Well, let's see, does it go back to St. Valentine? It goes back to the 1300s, the 14th century. Uh, at the end of the 5th century, Roman Pope Galatius officially declared the date of February 14, St. Valentine's Day. But it wasn't until the Middle Ages that the holiday became associated with love and romance. A tradition that first started from the common belief in France and England that birds started their mating season February 14th. Well, that's a little Did personal. You know that? <laughs> that's a, I mean, I wonder if the birds want their mating season up our cat. I mean, that's a little private. I mean, I what know. what food do you think uh, is associated with Valentine's Day? I Ch- know the answer: chocolate. Uh, well, that's a good answer, but actually, uh, steak with peppercorn sauce. I want some. I would add a little lobster tail, and then you've got <gasps> ooh, 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 <laughs> main oh, lobster. Oh, 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 oh! Bringing it on home, Tom. And a good and a good red wine. Yeah. We, uh, Where are we going on Tuesday? <laughs> um, my house. Oh, okay. <laughs> my house sounds... is a very, very... <laughs> that We did that song last week. Or we talked about that last yeah. week with, uh, with Tom Bray. I learned something just the other day that totally blew my mind. You know the song Teach Your Children? The very beginning of it is pedal steel guitar. And I didn't know literally until two weeks ago that that was Jerry Garcia. Yes, it was. Oh, wow. He learned to play the... Uh, the play this pedal steel guitar just for that song pedal steel is one of the most difficult instruments if not the most difficult instruments to learn how to play because you've got a flat guitar you've got a little thing on your finger or that you've used to slide but then you've got pedals not only for your feet but for your knees so you're doing this with <clears throat> hitting pedals with your knees and your feet and sliding on it and uh wow it's just you almost have to have a degree in something to i'd be an orangutan yeah <laughs> start with that that would be interesting to, I mean, it'd be like, well, drummers use so many parts of their body on all different beats, right. the same thing. Same idea. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So we've got a great show lined up, I think. We've got uh, Mr. Will Seipel. 
who has a website called WorthPoint, and he's going to talk to us about his new uh, uh, his new project, which I think is fascinating. I was on his website. I went over and took a look to see what was going on, and and uh, that's a the new pro that's a new project that yep. he's working. It's on. in beta, I think he said. But the uh, existing website has thing where you, they have trademarks and and things that you could go on. So I have a lot of antique. Uh, I guess family heirlooms of China and certain things that I don't know the value of. And I haven't really checked his out completely, but it seems like I can go on there and look for that little mark on the back of the China and find out how much this stuff is worth. That's a great idea. That's That's, I need to do that. And I've been trying to do, I bought books on it, but you know, going through it, it's like nearly impossible and um, but I am going to investigate, and I will report back and see Good. what I can find on there. So our visit with Will is coming up, but in the meantime, we also spoke with. Uh, I was uh, away on business, so I wasn't part of the interview with Rick and Andrew. But uh, we're going to start off with uh, Gaia and Cats. Uh, visit. No, with- we're going to start with Will first. Okay, the show notes were in an opposite order. Uh oh. So. We'll, we'll go right into Will. Will Cycle. Yeah, we're going to go right into Will. Let's fix it in the mix. <laughs> All right, I'll laugh first and say, when I used to be a bartender, I would sit down, I'd tell my customers at the bar to sit down and put on your safety belt. We're going for a ride tonight. Good. <laughs> so we'll go for a ride. Um, I started WorthPoint about 15 years ago. It seems like ages because of my love for collecting and fine things. And that um, I was burnt out at the corporate level and didn't want to do it anymore. But I had five kids and had been at the sea level for a long time and went to work for Mr. Cheney hostily acquired us when I lived in Texas to working for Mr. Soros um, with a focus in Europe. So I, I like to say I've gone the whole spectrum and I wanted to become an entrepreneur. And that's what I decided to do, even though I still had five kids to put through college. And that was the genesis of WorthPoint 15 years ago. So tell us about WorthPoint today. What do you, what do you, uh, you have a new project, don't you? you aren't you uh, promoting something? We are. I, uh, my real home is in Cape Coral. And we got wiped out by Hurricane Ian pretty badly down there. And it wasn't fun. My house just i finished demoing i hope this week uh, that the it it looked like there wasn't a problem but it rained so hard and we had fit i guess 150 something mile an hour winds for five hours or something and the house got saturated yeah wow and my boat ended up in my backyard which Mm. was i guess lucky because they could have gone right and into the river but it went left and into my yard so um you know, it really focused me on the value of WorthPoint really is to preserve your assets and their history and their heritage. And in case something like this happens, uh, I had left Cape Coral and I was lucky that my house um, didn't totally get blown away. It didn't, to- it didn't flood, but it was water saturated. And I worried for a few days as to whether um you know, the stuff survived because there was a lot of family heirlooms in there type of things, pictures and what have you and paintings. And I really worried and that I didn't have a good backup. Although we were developing a product, it's not what the company was focused on, which is what we call the virtual vault. And you can have all your things in there and your pictures taken and your values kept up to date by our database. And it really focused me on this is what the public needs and that we need to safeguard our things and the stories of the things uh, because they have both a financial and emotional tie and importance. And it turns out most Americans are underinsured. The insurance agencies say 40%. But when I looked at my insurance policy, it really didn't line up at all with anything I had in the house. And that although I had a half a million dollars of home coverage, uh, it was pretty useless for what I had in my house. And so I, I think it's a wake-up call to me, and I looked at the personal disaster and said, you know, I can do a lot of good for other people 
to go focus us on this new product we have coming out and the importance of it and why do we need it and why is it important and you know it's it's become our mission as a company so when will this product be available to uh, to me oh it's a bit available in a beta which I, I think is pretty rough now if you're um sign up for our our monthly program which is about thirty dollars a month but we're going to put it into an annual package for the consumer at $200 a year, and it will be all you need to get going and operating smoothly in the third quarter. And I, I think it's very important. I, I looked at some of the things having gone through this of what's out there, and my remediator said, oh, we just take a camera and, and scan around your room, and we capture everything that's in there. And I said, oh, that's interesting, but it really doesn't meet the mark. And he says, what do you mean? And, and I said, well, I have a whole bookcase here full of early books about Maine. I lived in Maine for 35 years and collected first editions and things. And if you scan the room and show I have a bunch of books in my bookcase, you probably won't pick up the titles, let alone what, what's autographed, what's not, what's first edition, what's not, what printing is it. And said, it really is kind of useless. And so what I did uh, before... Uh, we packed up my house because I had to pack up to leave in December that the mold was starting to come. I went and took pictures of each book and the um, inside cover with, you know, the publisher page. So I knew exactly what books I had in there because all the stuff is going to go off to storage and be in storage for six months or more. And it can get broken on the way there. It can get broken there. All that warehouse could flood. Something could get stolen. And so I started filling my vault right with the hurricane. And I now have all my pictures loaded in there and descriptions. So I got a good start. And I really was lucky it waited. But there is enough in there. You could do something like that today with the beta product. And um, it just is not quite where I want it to be to be released. You're talking about a digital vault, aren't you? Yes, I am. It's virtual. And it's kind of one of our board members. She was, um, she's well known for being on Antiques Roadshow, Kathleen Guzman. But she's done a lot of things in the industry. And she likens it to Ancestry.com for your stuff. Uh, because you can track your heritage and what's important in there to you. But also, it's um, a, a more modern example would be it's Zillow for your stuff. It has your worth score and can keep the values. It adds it all up. Um, you know, it, it does a lot of different things and that it's really needed. But what I like it is we've all, often said if that picture could only talk and what we're ultimately doing is putting blockchain with us so somebody can track that item forever if it's lost, if it's stolen. Um, if it shows up in your house, if it's in the worth, worth point vault, you'll be able to get the total history of it from when that person put it in. And that's important to me for ancestral stuff too. But somebody will know what went through my mind when I bought it, what was the joy of it, why was it important to me? And not only for valuable things, but I even have tiles that my different kids painted in grade school that I kept and I framed and I can talk about those and, and my kids. And it just adds a whole new dimension to the object. Incredible concept, Will. Yeah, and I think it's important that the item can live forever, you know? And why was what was my joy in that item? And, and something I don't talk about a lot, but I have quadruplets. And Whoa. that, <laughs> you know, so I, um, and I have another one, but, um, you know, just having the things that they did together as kids and being able to remember that is really, really important. Oh, yeah. You know, and mm -hmm. think of the, the photo books you get that you have no idea whose family it is, what it is, uh, what was going through their mind at the time, and what if all of a sudden those items could talk to you? It's really fantastic. Wow. You know what? My older it. son is married, and he and his wife asked me, to go through their house and their vault and leave videos um, that are, you know, 15, 30 seconds on an item. And 
you know, where did I get it? Was it in the family? And what was the significance of it? Will, how's, you know, how does somebody, another, I'm so sorry, go ahead, finish your thought. No, I was going to say I have another daughter that, um, you know, she doesn't know if she'll ever get married, have kids, but she has a Japanese uh, woodblock print by different masters and a, a collection of them. And she says she just wants to um, put a vault with it and keep the items in there. And so people can remember why that print was so special to her. Wow. How does somebody sign up for the, uh, the beta of this WorthPoint uh, product? Uh, you go into our site and sign up as a subscriber. It won't talk about the vault, but you can see the vault on our, our main page and the menu bars uh, up at the top in the navigation. And once you're a member, you can have access into the vault. Otherwise, if you click on it, it will say a membership is required. And what's the web address? Where can they find uh, you? Worthpoint, www.worthpoint.com. Easy enough. You know, and sometimes it takes something like this in your life to make you realize what you really should be doing. And that, you know, I always had gotten a lot of questions about what is your available market as a business person with people looking to invest in our company. And I never had a good answer. And so we just funded it through friends and family because everybody was a potential customer. But what it even helped me do was to realize that 40% uh, of Americans live in a uh, FEMA disaster area. So whether you're talking about fires in California or hurricanes in Florida or tornadoes, you know, in, 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 the, in the central area, 40% of Americans live in a FEMA zone and they have over 50% of the wealth in their, uh, an aging population. And so what I realized after doing this and, and looking at the statistics that this decade, we have about 22 events a year that classify as FEMA and, and they, they are big. I don't know if they're getting bigger, but more people are concentrated in those areas. And that um, if you go back to the 1980s, it was only three events a year. Wow. And so if you look at the average dollar value of the damage, it would tell you they're not getting bigger uh, or it's statistically not hugely significant, but there are more people living there and more people are impacted. So the collective value of them is a lot more if you look at the mean average and if they don't change and you have three versus 22, they add up to a whole lot more money. And that, um, you know, it kind of keeps you out of the, uh, conversation, oh, they're getting bigger and this and this and this. Well, you know, storms have always been big, but they are hitting a more concentrated population and they are happening more. That's not arguable. So um, to me, it's just, again, as a wake-up call about what people need. I mean, I, I don't want to lose everything, but if I did, at least I have pictures of it backed up in my vault and I can collect a fair amount and make sure they're insured properly. And that's we can't bring them back to life unless you want somebody to recreate the item. But, you know, we do take a lot of the pain away. I think it's a brilliant, excuse me, a brilliant idea. And I, I wish you all the success in the world with it. Oh, thank you. I, I, I think, you know, your grandmother probably said, if you got lemons, make lemonade, right? There you go. <laughs> there you go. Will, thank you so much for your time. It's been a joy. All right. Well, thank you guys very much. I really appreciate well, thank it. Thank you. Okay. I'm really excited to look on your website and check it all out. Yeah, we want to go see the I, I appreciate your, your feedback. And, you know, um, again, keep in mind, this is only the beginning. And it's not what I was really looking to bring to market this year. It was a concept. But after going through this experience, it's going to be our main product that we release this year. You are listening to Chords, Vines, and Dines. I'm Tom Plant with... Cat Ellis and Gaya Norvell. Yay. Yay. And we're two days away from Valentine's Day. But before we launch into that, Joe Pesci has uh, has a birthday or had a birthday? Had a birthday, February 9th. Yes. And uh, when you think of Joe Pesci, at least I do, I think of Goodfellas. And mm -hmm. So if you can't use... Uh, I think of my cousin Vinny. Is <laughs> 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 my time clock. <laughs> <laughs> the Utes. 
<laughs> I loved him in that. But I was saying if you couldn't use Will Seiple's uh, digital vault, you could call on Joe Pesci maybe, and he could take care <laughs> yeah, of it for you. Goodfellas <laughs> come by and hijack your stuff. I have to admit, I've not seen Goodfellas. Well, <laughs> be, oh, be prepared for a wild ride. Well, I know. That's why I yeah. some of those Joe Pesci is just a little too just a touch violent in it. Just a touch. Yeah, well, that's what I heard, <laughs> and I, I I can handle some violence, but and I I just can't yeah. wrap my head around him being eighty years old. I know he, his, he he just seems eternally youthful, and he seems to be an eternal smartass, and I love that about him. Yeah, I do too. I love smartasses. They're fun. Better than dumbasses. Oh, definitely. I won't go in there. <laughs> Let's not talk about politics, Tom. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now, are we going to play the game of food? We're going to play the game well, of food. Should we mention Burt Backrack? Yes. Uh, we lost Burt Backrack this year, uh, this week, uh, 94 years old. And just think about the decades of music uh, that he uh, gave us. Uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And uh, Dion, all the hits that Dionne Warwick had. Oh, it's incredible. There were, um, I listened on the news, um, you know, all the tributes going out to him. And they played a lot of the music that he had written. And I'm like, I didn't realize some of those were his. I mean, I knew a lot of them, but still there was a lot more that I didn't know. So prolific. Very sad. So, the game of food. I, I found a card. This is a card game. I love it. I think it's only, I found a card lying out of the box, and I thought, well, maybe Cat and Gaia did this. They were going to pull this on me, and uh, they said no, but maybe there's a reason it's lying there. So let's see. The, the, te- the uh, topic is cooking tools and techniques, and the question, mixing this spirit with water or ice causes the drink to turn cloudy white as aromatic oils in the alcohol fall out of solution. Is it A, absinthe, B, Calvados, C, Armagnac, or D, Amaretto? I say A. You, ding, 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 ding. She was bound to answer that properly. Yeah. Well, She's the kitchen I, 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 I was, I was not positive. And I'm sorry, I didn't let you get a chance to answer. Do another one so, so gay I can answer. I'm going oh, to. so I can participate in the cooking? I actually have a bottle of absinthe at home, and it's wild, and it tastes like licorice. It's a, a, very, it's a very French thing. Ah. And it was uh, outlawed for many years until very recently because one of the main components, and I think they've altered it, is wormwood, and it's a psychedelic. I mean, you, you go, you start tripping out if you have a little Bring too much absinthe. Bring it over. <laughs> you see in the sky. Hey, we'll so, it on the show and see what, how we come oh, out. that's not the one I wanted. Let's see if I can. Oh, I know. Okay. We're going to regional dishes. Unlike the English muffin and Canadian bacon that go into a plate of eggs Benedict, one of Kat's favorites, an order of New Orleans eggs sardou starts with a. Fried oysters and remoulade. B. Cornbread and breakfast sausage. C. Artichoke hearts and cream spinach. Or D. Rice and beans. Oh. New Orleans eggs sardou. B. <coughs> I always lose these games. Okay, give me those choices again. Fried oysters and remoulade. We know it's not B. Cornbread and breakfast sausage. Artichoke hearts and cream spinach or rice and beans? A. D. Oh, get it? Artichoke hearts and cream spinach. I would not have thought that. That just sounded way too healthy. Yeah, it sounds good. <laughs> it does, but I just thought that was too healthy for down there. Nope. Makes oh. me want to have some. Oh, well, let's work on it. Okay, tell us about our next guests. Rick oh, Frost. We've got and- Rick Frost and Andrew Gonzalez. Um, I don't want to give it all away, but Rick and I have known each other for many, many years back when he was with Seventh Son. I think that's where I met him. And he is now uh, working with um, Andrew Gonzalez on the Honey Liquors. So we've got a really good interview with both of them. And then right from there, we're going to go into um, their song called Old School. And then we'll talk a little bit about the Super Bowl. Oh, there's a game today? There is. Okay. We are here with Rick Frost and Andrew Gonzalez. And I'm excited about this. Rick, I've known you for a long time. 
long time. Several years. Several yeah, more years. More than several years. More than several years, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, it seems like it was just a couple of years ago, but we start thinking back on all the bands and everything. It goes goes way back. Yeah. Were you in yeah, the Seventh does. Son with... Uh, oh, Nick Calandrino. Well, Nick Calandrino and I go back uh, in the early... To the, but around 1981, actually, um, we were in a band together called G.I., and it was a, an original hard rock band. I, I thought you guys were in jail together. Well, that, that was that was in '82. <laughs> and you guys said you weren't funny. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's where I met Nick, and then uh, when GI disbanded, um, uh, Nick and I still kept in touch. But we weren't really playing together. Uh, until, um, yeah, until the Seven Sons. I wow. believe that was it when we got back together, and I played with them uh, for a while. And then, um, and then I left that band, and I have since uh, subbed once or twice for uh, Nick's band, uh, current band, the Gunboat Kings. Right. So, so Nick and I are still in touch quite a bit. I know you referred to, to Nick as Knucklehead in your bio. That was what our stage name when we were in GI. <laughs> yeah. They, they used to call me Wacky Jake. And, uh, and uh, uh, Nick was Knucklehead. And uh, our singer was LZ Stud. <laughs> yeah, so crazy times. Fun times. Fun uh, times, yeah. And and GI performed gigs with Motley Crue and Black Flag and Psychedelic Curse. Yeah. God, I haven't heard that name in a long time. Yeah, yeah, we did a lot of those Black and Blue, the Gumbies, um, all kinds of uh, all kinds of bands. And uh, uh, had a, had a really good time. We did a lot of gigs out, like at the um, uh, at Mad, the Madame Wands. Places out in uh, Hollywood. Oh yeah, well, well, I right, remember right that. Right down in West, yeah. Um, kind of The curious. Troubadour. Oh yeah. Places like that. Yeah. I've probably like seen that. you. I those were my old hangouts. God, maybe you, you might have. You might have, yeah. But, you know, it's kind of funny. I, I come across a few artists that I thought, well, I was there. I didn't know you then, but I was there. Cat <laughs> was everywhere. That's the problem. <laughs> so. You know what I, I thought was really interesting, and I didn't know this about you, is that you actually started on a, playing drums, a snare only. When, but Yeah, when I was about six years old, six or seven years old, um, in first grade or second grade, I can't remember. I think first grade, um, they gave us an option. Of, they had music programs back then, and, um, and I, I wanted to play the drums. You know, it, it just sounded cool, you know, so... Uh, I did that just for a little while, and then the following year, I think it was when I was in second grade, um, they offered up, um, one of the instruments they offered was clarinet, so I took the clarinet, and I played clarinet for a while, but, and that got me interested in playing the saxophone. Mm. So, so a few years, you know, I did the clarinet for a couple years or so, two or three years, and then I, I went and got an E-flat alto saxophone, and I played that. Until I traded my sax in for an electric bass. And I've been playing bass. That was 1967. And I've been doing uh, electric bass since, since then. Yeah. Wow. And then, Andrew, you were shy right, yeah. on the harmonica. What's that? You were shy on the harmonica to start with. I still kind of am. On, it's kind of a weird thing. I'm really not a person that wants to be up front of standing in front of a band and, and singing and stuff, but it just kind of happened to me. Uh, I love it, so that's why I do it. And before every show, I'm always a bit nervous, but uh, once we get rolling, uh, that goes away completely, and just instinct and the love of music uh, takes over. Well, that so I, I just... Basically, tell uh, the whole band I'm jumping off the cliff, so here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, uh, you probably read my bio a little bit. I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't have the background as far as like being on the road or being in these uh, 
bigger name bands uh, as everybody else. I'm not as credentialed. I was just a harp player, and you know, I, st- I luckily got hired as a harmonica player, and I never was going to be a singer. But the first band that I was ever in, they asked me to start singing, so I did, and so I've been doing that also. Uh, I've been playing harmonica for about 58 years now, and it's the uh, best disease I ever caught. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, you know, I, I have to play. It's it's like I'm compelled to play, and I can't explain why. It's just something that's in my DNA. I, I love it. And especially when I'm surrounded by wonderful musicians that scare the hell out of me, uh, it, it makes me up my game and uh, want to hang with them. And, and if I can... How did the Honey Lickers come about? How did you guys form the Honey Lickers? Well, I actually started the band uh, a few years ago. I had different members, and I wasn't that serious about it. But the, the name, actually, it, it's from uh, the love of life and, and licking up every bit of it. That's the way I, I feel about it. Uh, I know we're all born terminal, so I, I just try to squeeze every amount of life that I have in me, and uh, the music really helps. I, I love it. It kind of reminded me of uh, Robert Plant. Oh, there's a Honey Drippers. Honey Drippers. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so we're not them. <laughs> <laughs> we don't drip, we lick. <laughs> <laughs> You guys are so funny. So the song, you know, you sent me the one song, um, Old School. Yeah. Who wrote that? Uh, I did, actually. Cool. Yeah, I, I write a lot of songs. I, I'm, uh, that kind of happened to me also. I don't even know where that came from. But, uh, you know, I, I had this idea kicking around in my head, and I wrote down the words, and... Uh, I had a rough idea of a bass line, so I I talked to Rick about it, and he picked out the bass line, and we shared it with the rest of the band, and uh, it all just came together. So the reason I wrote that song is I'm a huge fan of James Brown. Uh, I actually got to see him perform. I was living up in San Jose at the small club, and he brought in his huge big band, and uh, I had never seen him before, and it just blew me away. I, I wanted to be able to have that kind of energy and, and uh, play music like that. So that's where that song comes from. It's not a James Brown song. It's kind of a tribute to his style and and uh, his energy. So I, I love it. What, what inspires you to write a song? Are you sitting at a diner and all of a sudden something pops into your head, or is it life experiences? What what, what inspires uh, all, you? All of the above. Uh, I'll, I'll even, like, in the middle of the night, I'll be dreaming and some line will pop in my head. So uh, what I do now, I, I used to just, like, go back to sleep. What I'll do now is I'll jump out of bed and go write it down. Uh, it, it's kind of weird. Uh, sometimes a song will come out spontaneously, Uh the whole thing, and I just write it all down. Other times, uh, we made up songs live on stage, and uh, luckily no, nobody gets hurt. <laughs> We're able to make it through the end. But uh, it, it's crazy. It's it's kind of a weird process for me. Uh, if I hear some music that one of my friends might be playing, and they need some lyrics, I'm, I'm pretty good at coming up with lyrics for stuff. So it's just something that I have been trying to nurture for years and years, and I think I'm getting better at it. But we'll see. I I know I do enjoy it, so I'll probably keep doing that. Well, I think your song "Old School" is really great. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. It's got a really good. Yes, it does have that James Brown funk to it. I can. I can yeah, hear. that's that's the whole thing. We're we're uh, we're working on this other song right now. It's uh it's like a Cajun Zydeco feel. Uh, so the stuff that I, I write, I try to like 
uh, write diverse songs so they don't all sound like the same thing over and over again. Right. So I try to be, you know, imaginative and uh, write new, different material on, on every song. So that's the challenge. Oh, yeah. But but I, I, I think I'm making some progress. And the guys in the band love them, so uh, we're recording them. So I, I think I'm doing something right. Rick, yeah. this, this is a little different style of music than what you were playing with uh, Bone Dust. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, Bone Dust, you know, was, was a kind of a progressive rock uh, original band. And, um, I, you know, even though I, I've always had my roots in blues and, and, and a little bit of jazz and, and old school R&B. Um, so when Andrew... Um, approached me about joining the Honey Lickers. I've always enjoyed going to the Honey Lickers shows. I used to go down there to the Old Town Blues Club in, in Temecula to watch them play because they were just a fun band to, to watch. And I was, you know, fortunate that they would ask me up to jam and sit in with them uh, for a couple songs uh, here and there. And it was always just fun. So when the opportunity came up to join the band, I jumped at it because... I already knew that it was a fun band. And, you know, Andrew, we didn't mention this, but Andrew and I go back probably to about 1989. Um, we met at a jam that they used to have out in Arcadia at the uh, place called the Steerburger. And they used to have a blues jam. I think it was 1989 when we first uh, met. So we've, we've known each other for quite a while. Quite a while. Been been too long. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, and we've been in two or three bands together. Um, but, yeah, this is quite different than than uh, uh, Bone Dust was. But uh, but still, this is a very, so much fun being in this band. I'm great people. I'm, I'm so honored to be able to play with guys of this caliber. Um, they're, they're all just great players. They are. They're just seasoned veterans and, and um, it's just an honor to play with these guys they're great oh that's yeah. good I, I gotta mention though uh, a Bone Dust was it the American Music Awards it was the uh, Los Angeles Music Los Awards Los Angeles yeah I was there doing I shot the red carpet and you guys were up for an award and after I was doing the red carpet I went in and sat with you guys and when you guys won I remember we were all jumping up and hugging each other just like something you see on TV yeah, that was fun. That, that was, was a lot, lot of fun. Yeah, we, we won the uh, Music Group of the Year um, award. So that was that was just a whole lot of fun. The whole night was fun. It yeah, was, was, even when I, when I lost my skirt. Ah, that's oh, right. Oh, yeah. What's going on? <laughs> I'm sure it's not the first time. Well, I... <laughs> No, we had gone true. out afterwards, after the award party and all of that. We went out, we went into this bar, and um, uh, I, we were sitting there. It was Rick and Patty and my date and, and myself, and we got ready to leave, and I stood up, and I thought, what is this at my ankles? And it was my skirt. <laughs> <I'd fallen off. laughs> okay. I have no idea how that happened. And it the made fight, the night complete. Well, it's because you're hanging out with musicians. <laughs> I guess. Well, the thing is, I had gone to the bar before and ordered drinks, and the guy I was with said he thought my skirt looked like it had gotten a little longer. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then it, somehow, in the course of the evening, just sitting there, it went all the way down to my ankles. And so when I stood up, I was like, That's oh, my God. I remember that. It's so funny. Well, I didn't know whether to pull it up or just take it off and walk out because my top was long enough. So. so I just very gracefully pulled it up, and I couldn't stop laughing. You did. <laughs> Andrew, I, I'm looking at your bio, and it looks to me like you had a serious twist of fate in your career I, coming down this road. I, I did. I did. Uh, I'm an accidental uh, musician. It, it, it was something I was never going to do. I I didn't want to do it. It just I, I had been playing harmonica at that point for a long time, and it was a big secret. I didn't even tell my friends, and uh, actually, even most of my family didn't even know. 
it was something very private, and it was the one thing in my life that I truly had that was all mine. So I kept it a huge secret. So tell us so, the story. Well, so what happened was, uh, so I was, you know, I had a young family. My my first son, he was uh, five years old, and I was living up in uh, Hesperia. That's up by Victorville at that point. And so my wife's mother lived in San Diego, so she didn't get to see her that often. So one weekend, she decided to take my son and go visit Grandma. So they went they went to see Grandma, and I went fishing. And so I, I wasn't catching any fish. So on the way back, uh, I decided to stop and have a beer at this local pub. So I go inside, and there's a live band playing. And it was, it was uh, they were pretty good. So I grab a beer, and I sit down, and uh, I'm enjoying the music. And it turns out they're having a jam session. So this woman comes walking up, and she turns out to be the guitar player's wife. And she actually said, you look like a musician. Do you want to sit in? And back then, I had, like, long hair halfway down my back. I probably looked like a musician. Uh, so I don't even know why I said yes, but I said yes. So uh, I had a couple of harmonicas in my pocket. I got up there. Uh, I didn't even know what key to play in. The guitar player asked me what I had, so he figured out what, what key he could play in for me to play along. So I was just making a couple little sounds here and there, and then they flipped me a solo. And uh, it worked out really well. They they took a break and hired me. So. <laughs> that's a <laughs> rare. That's a rare story. Three years. It was fun. Very inspiring yeah. for any new musician out there that is just uh, happens to be in the right place at the right time, and that actually does happen as you are living proof. Yeah. So what was really cool about that? Uh, I got my feet wet with being in a band and uh, hanging out with musicians and uh, after that band I actually formed my own band called the Mojave Witch Doctors and uh, we did all original music at, at that point in time the guitar player was writing most of the songs and what was cool is we ended up winning our battles of the bands uh, do you remember Mark and Brian? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So they used to have their turkey launches around Thanksgiving. <laughs> so they did one out in Lucerne Valley on this dry lake bed. And uh, somehow the guitar player got us, he worked his way to get us to be their house band for their turkey launch. <laughs> so I thought it was kind of crazy. This dry lake bed, nobody was going to be there, right? So we we drive out there. It's very, very early. Uh, uh, we set up. And then uh, one by one, you could see cars coming across the lake bed. And before you know it, there was like 3,000 people there. <laughs> so we right played. Place, right uh, time. We played, and uh, everybody loved it. And Mark and Brian, uh, they uh, posed with a lot of pictures with us on, on stage. And it was kind of crazy. So that was fun. We had a wonderful, wonderful time. But uh, I, I really haven't done a whole lot of stuff like all these other guys. I, I mostly was just uh, working as a union carpenter, and uh, it was hard to, like, get out and get, you know, with the family. And so that was my priority. But I, I always, all along, would make a little time to go to a jam or uh, friends would invite me to come play with their band. I would do some gigs here and there. So it, it was really hard. But I did it anyways, and uh, that's when I met Rick out at Steerburgers. I started running into him at these uh, blues jams, and uh, we became friends and uh, been playing music with this knucklehead <laughs> ever since. So it's Mr. Knucklehead. It's pretty cool. <laughs> what, what, what do you think uh, is the funniest story you can tell us from your travels on the road? My travels on the road. The funniest story that you just can't forget. Oh, 
Uh oh, so many of them. Which well, one do I pick? Well, I was in a, in a one of my earlier bands um, was the Rhythm Dukes. We had a gig out in Nevada, and I was driving myself uh, and uh, my drummer was driving, and uh, and a friend of ours, and we were. I'll just say we weren't in our right frame of mind. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. This is back in 72, so you can... You're still like that. Yeah, pretty much, but but I, I but back then I needed help to be like this. <laughs> and uh, so, but we were driving, and we drove, uh, we were driving to uh, Lothman, and we drove the back way, which takes you out in Amboy Road. Uh, which is the middle of nowhere. I know that uh, road, I, yeah. You know that road. So our, our drummer, Greg, he'd never been on that road, and we're pretty, in, you know, pretty strange. And um, we're driving down the road, so my friend uh, Randy and I we were talking about t- telling Greg, oh, you got to watch out for this curve up here. It takes a sudden left curve, and you don't even know it. And, and, and there's all kinds of cars on the side of the road that have tipped over and crashed and burned and everything. <laughs> and so, so we're driving. He's like, really? I'm going, yeah, yeah. And he's going 60 miles an hour. And we go over this little hill. And Randy and I both, without cueing each other, we just screamed real loud. Ah! <laughs> and Greg just slammed on his brakes. And we're doing, like, donuts. We're, like, spinning around, <laughs> slamming the brakes. And there was no curve. There was no dead man's curve. And, uh, yeah, Greg wasn't too happy about that. He was. Uh, he couldn't see the humor in that. Randy and I, we were cracking up, though, man. It was, like, really funny. But that was, but that was just one thing. Um, That's one awesome. When I was in GI, we were in, we were in, and I was all dressed in what I wore. And I, I wore my, my dad's uniform, and he was a lieutenant colonel. And so, um, I remember we were in a, in a set. We went and stopped at Seven Eleven to get something to drink. I think we were doing the. I think I was on the way to the Troubadour gig, and um, I'm walking in there, and, and so we're we're just standing in line. I'm just a regular dude, you know. And uh, there was a guy behind him with his son, and uh, his son pointed to us, and uh, his dad says, tells his son, he goes, "Yeah, that's a colonel." <laughs> and it was like, ooh, I, I don't want to, you know, cause I, and I no no disrespect to all real colonels out there or anything like that. I, I don't mean that at all. But um, anyway, that just goofy stuff like that that we would do. Well, yeah. but it could have been Colonel Clink. He's funny. <laughs> yeah, he is funny. He is funny. So do you guys see yourself going after this? this well, you know, I, I don't know uh the big, the biggest thing for me, I don't know about Rick. The biggest thing for me is, I love music, and especially if it's fun, especially if it's playing with some great musicians. And right, right there is like the icing on the cake for me. And if if we ever sell any of our music, great. But if nothing happens, that's okay too, because I'm having the time of my life. So I. I guess I've never really been ambitious as far as music because, once again, I'm an accidental uh, musician. So every chance I get to play, it's it's like, uh, what an incredible gift that is. Well, life is short. You need to be happy and be in your happy place. And that sounds like that is your happy place. Yeah, that in my life. I've been married like 41 years. And, oh, that's uh, great. Yeah, so when I uh, first got hooked up with that band, I, I called her up, and uh, here's the kind of person she is. I told her, hey, guess what? I'm in the band. And she was, like, happy for me. She said, that's that's really awesome. So uh, she always, like, stood behind me, and uh, I, I love her for that. She never, ever once gave me a hard time about me playing music. Oh, that's great. Well, guys, I appreciate you taking the time and, and talking with us. And we had so much fun chatting with you guys today. So well, thank you. Uh, uh, do you mind if we do a little shameless plug? Go right ahead. Um, well, we're going to be playing the Temecula Blues Festival um, April 15th. 
2023. Uh, we're going to be on at 12 o'clock, 12 noon. Uh, there's going to be eight bands. Uh, the Thunderbirds, Fabulous Thunderbirds, oh, are yeah. headlining. They're going to be on at 5 o'clock. Yeah, with Kim Wilson. Wow. So that's going to yeah. be good. And we got the Temecula Rod Run, which is in May. May 6th, I believe. May 6th. And we're going to be at the Old Town Blues Club at 12 noon there. And we'll be playing all afternoon, so that'll be over the top. Yeah, you know, we're also going to be playing the Rockefellers in Corona. Uh, he's... Uh, Alex Garcia is building uh, inside uh, kind of a concert hall, if you will, small concert uh, hall, and he wants us to play in there. So we're going to be playing out there in Corona coming up. We don't have dates yet. And We've played there uh, quite a bit in the past, but uh, uh, he's taken his music inside. Uh, I'm not sure exactly why, but he wants to have his venue inside. So Yeah, so he's working on it as we speak. And that's kind of our shameless plugs that we're doing. Well, it sounds like you guys are going to need photos, too. So I just happen to know a couple of photographers that might be able to make it out and catch you guys. I know, well, I know, one, that, I know one that I'm talking to right now is a great photographer. Oh, thank you. Yes, And Gaya is a photographer, too. So. Oh, very cool. Oh, cool. cool. So we are really well, the yeah, Blues Festival, there's going to be all kinds of great bands. It'll be a good opportunity for pictures. Yeah, not, I'll not have just, to. Not just us, but uh, everyone else. I have to put in my uh, my press credentials in there. This time I won't wear a skirt. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take pictures yes, of well, that. I, I won't wear a skirt either. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, well, thank you guys. I appreciate everything you do and well thank you for having us cat
Honey Liquors with Rick Frost and Andrew Gonzalez. And, you know, you see the contrast between the the first song that, or the snip we had with Bone Bone Dust. Bone Dust, right, which was Rick's earlier band. And it just shows the versatility with Rick Frost and and what he's doing. I hope, sure hope he has um, his his party this year, his jam. Those, Those are so much fun. I mean, and we get to see Andrew and everybody. Cool. We're going to have to go down and check them out at uh, the uh, the Blues Club in yes, Temecula. Yes, we will. And our friend Martha Davis is going to be there. But it's uh, sold out. Yes. So we've got a lot of things that we're going to be working on. Hopefully we get to interview Martha. we got to get a hold yeah. of her. Um, I'm really excited about next week's show. We uh, we had such a good visit with uh, Jeffrey Stevens, but to us, he's Jeff <laughs> just he's a, a novelist and he just released a new book called the handler uh and cat is trying to pry it out of my hands but i'm reading it it's just it's a real page turner he's a great interview yeah. too on that oh one of one of the best guests we've ever had and then author cindy clute she's a, a psychotherapist and she has written a she's actually written a couple of murder mystery books right up my alley I no caller id is that the name of no caller id no caller yes. id you know, I, I I've read a lot of mystery books, and um, I always thought that I could always plot the perfect murder. <laughs> we grew up in the Nancy Drew era, cat. You know, I didn't. I I read Nancy Drew when I was younger, and then I went up later to Agatha Christie. It and was then, the Hardy Boys for me. She graduated. Oh you know, yeah, to uh to the John D. McDonald books, the Travis McKee books, and the Dashiell Hammetts Hammetts. So, today is Super Bowl Sunday. Yes. And, oh, 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 oh go oh, ahead, Kat. My friend, Pavel. Yes, he's going to be in one of the ads. Yes. Which I, I like think one of the I commercials. heard, don't quote me, but uh, $7 million now for 30 seconds to, to broadcast a commercial during the Super Bowl. $7 million for 30 seconds of air He time. sent me a snip of that commercial, and I couldn't tell exactly which one it is, but I recognized it. But when we see it on the big screen, it'll, you were seeing it, looking at it on your phone. Anyway, the first Super Bowl was held in 1967 in Los Angeles at the Coliseum. Ticket prices were $12. Which which is is, probably a lot then. It's the equivalent to $95 in today's economy. And the average, I just heard this this morning, the average cost of a ticket for today's Super Bowl, $6,800, which is down from last year. Last year was about $10,000 average price per ticket. And the halftime show, which is uh, Beyonce this year, or no, Rihanna. 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 Uh, the, the halftime did not used to be a big deal. It was uh, a chance for people to go to the concessions and use the restrooms. It was mostly for the people who were at the stadium. They, it wasn't a big thing with sponsors and all that. The first halftime show was two marching bands, one from the University of Arizona and another from Grambling College, uh, as well as trumpeter Al Hurt from New Orleans, and to watch how it's uh, evolved. Do you know what they pay the halftime performers? I was just going to say that. Nothing. Zero. They don't get paid. Yep. Wow. I didn't know that. So anyway, we're looking forward to uh, Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, All three of us have picked the Eagles, and we'll see what happens. Should we do our own little pool here, do our own little squares? Because there's only going to be a couple of us. Well, yeah, uh, three people in 100 squares, so I guess we're in for 33 squares each, and somebody gets 34. (laughs) What, a dime a square? (laughs) All right, so I think that's a wrap. Yeah, we want to thank our guests today, uh, Rick Frost, Andrew Gonzalez, and Will Seipel. Uh, We also want to thank our sponsors, Quick Tech Computer Services, Wayne Normas, and Sassy Mamas. Yeah. Oh, all my favorites. Mine too. Me too. Thank you, Gaya. Thank you, Kat. Ah, you're and welcome. Until next week. Great day. Have a have a good Super Bowl Sunday, and we'll we'll see you next week, or talk to you next week. In the valley of Temecula, under skies of blue, vineyards sprawl on rolling hills, kissed by the morning dew. People come from near and far to gather for a taste. A tour and a local band make for a special place. Chords and vines, songs and wine, the bottle and a tune. Chords and vines.
Everything's a perfect picture.